So welcome to the Happy Mindset Show, uh, the show that brings you insights, realizations, and lessons learned in order to help you to live a life you love. Today's episode is episode number 22, and today's episode is called Johnny Hates Marketing. So today I'm joined by Johnny Cooper. So Johnny is a British entrepreneur, a piano player, an international racing driver, and a business coach. Uh, Johnny has grown multiple businesses in the past, including an eight-figure business. And today, Johnny supports coaches, trainers, therapists, and consultants who are serious about growing their practices and enjoying a, a life of effortless abundance. So today, we're going to talk about Johnny's new book, Johnny Hates Marketing, 99 Ways to Get Your Ideal Clients Chasing You Without Spending a Penny on Advertising, Working Like a Dog, or Losing Your Mind. Thanks for joining us today, Johnny. Indeed, it's a real pleasure, Dennis. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's an honor and a privilege. No worries. Um, so, yeah, so I guess the first thing I'd like to know more about is why do you hate marketing? Ha. Well, I don't particularly believe anybody that says they love marketing, you know, leaping out of bed in the morning and rubbing your hands and going, oh, I've got to do some social media posting today or... You know, I've got to, I've got to build that funnel, or I've got to send out that email campaign. You know, it's a means to an end, isn't it? We we enjoy what we get from it. Uh, we enjoy the interaction with our ideal clients. Um, you know, we enjoy the impact that we can make if we market ourselves successfully. And you know, ultimately, we enjoy the financial benefits from building a thriving practice and marketing effectively. But I just think the nuts and bolts of marketing if not overwhelming and scary, which I know they are to many people, um, are just pretty boring. It's pretty boring. You know, I don't think immersing yourself in any of the stuff that I just mentioned and saying, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, it's just something you do because it's a means to an end, isn't it? And you, you get yourself in a position then where you, you know, you impact on people and earn some money. Mm. So how did you, how do you start understanding what marketing was to you? How do you start like leveraging it to yourself? And, and, uh, um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a great question. And, and in fact, the only way that I did that, and I think the only way anybody can do that is to put in place some key elements before marketing, what I call my BM bits. Um, the three pillars effectively of, of effortless marketing as I've kind of mm. termed them and branded them. But what they are, they're, they're sort of well-worn things which people tend not to do so well, you know, even though they're, they're known to people. I'm not reinventing any wheels at all here in saying that, you know, three things you have to do before you start marketing are number one, identify very clearly what it is you do. So be able to describe your superpower, your one big thing that you bring to the world. You know, uh, why would we have to invent you if you didn't exist? Yeah, what is it that you do? What's this power? What's this massive transformational benefit that you can bring to people's lives? And all the better if it's you and only you that can do it like that or, 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 or in that way at all. One question, John. Do you need to be clear on that before you begin? Or do you start getting clear on that as you go on the journey of offering your services to the world? Yeah, it's a great question. Great question. I, I actually think it's it's before. It's before because, you know, th this comes from that kind of, you know, self-analysis where you look in the mirror and say, what am I? What do I do? What do I do? 
Um, and, and what do I want to do? I, I don't know if we've got time tonight particularly, but I, I use a very powerful and simple process called uh, Ikigai. Have you come across that? It's, it's, it's a yeah, well, I will. Yeah, it's a Japanese concept. And uh, the Ikigai is actually a Venn diagram. Do you remember then when you used to do geometry at school? Yeah, I get the intersections in between. Yeah, overlapping circles. So you imagine four overlapping circles, you know, two at the top, two at the bottom, or two on the left, two on the right, two away, you want to look at it. So it's effectively a square of four circles. And uh, those four circles, respectively, are where you write lists of uh, what you can do, Next circle is then what you love to do. Third circle is what the world needs right now. And the fourth circle is what you can get paid for. And if you do that exercise and you do it honestly and openly and list every freaking thing that applies under those four headings to you in your world right now. So the things you can do, the things you love to do, things the world needs and the things that you can get paid for. The nature of Venn diagram, as you know, is that there's overlapping bits, isn't there? So the overlapping bit in the middle, if you can imagine it, is a funny little shape. It's a kind of reverse sort of diamond shape where anything that's common to all those four circles sits in the middle. And that is called your ikigai, which is uh, Japanese for, for purpose, you know, your, your life purpose. That's what you're there for. That's mm -hmm. what you need to do. Um, and you'll be surprised, you know, as you dig deep through your armory of all the stuff you can do, all the skills that abilities the knowledge that you've gained and then you're honest with yourself about stuff from that list that you like to do that's a bit of a smaller list um and then you go around to stuff the world needs the list usually reduces a bit i mean the stuff i can do the world definitely doesn't need you know I, I can drive racing cars and i enjoy that but i'm not sure there's a you know, any massive demand around the world for people driving racing cars it's it's a very rarefied demand if there is any at all um and then getting paid uh, at the bottom you know nobody's going to pay me to drive a racing car i'm not that good you know i just bought more for self-enjoyment so as you fill in each of the circles there'll be some elements from each in each but for most people there's just kind of one thing in the middle and you know my clients will be grateful to hear that my my ikigai is actually uh coaching people to build a thriving practice because that's what I can do. That's what I love to do. The world definitely needs it because there's a load of coaches out there who are not particularly good at it yet. Um, or haven't discovered how to crack the code. And I can get paid for it. You know, demonstrably, I'm, I'm growing my business. You know, I'm getting paid more and more each month. It's great. It's growing nicely. Um, and will continue to, I guess. So my, my ikigai is, you know, coaching trainers and consultants and coaches, transformation professionals to help them find more of the ideal clients more easily and if you fill that out honestly I, I do believe most people will end up with one thing in the middle and that answers the the what then what, what it is you do and everything changes you see when you get a singular what instead of you know a bunch of things you can do you know oh i'm pretty good with social media but i like copywriting oh i can do graphic design i can build websites you can't market that hmm. you can't go to the world and say I do all this stuff because A, nobody believes you and B, who do you market it to anyway? Because they're not going to be the same people who want graphic design and want websites and want social media all at the same time. Um, so everything changes when you get that clarity on your true purpose, on your icky guy, on your what. And that, that's the first three pillars.
Um, when you've done that, you, you, and perhaps as part of that process, you've got some insight into who you're going to do it for. So, you know, the corny old client avatar kind of thing, you know, mm. that, uh, that I guess you've come across before and everybody listening will have heard that expression. But you've really got to, you know, do that process very deeply and very comprehensively, you know, on steroids sort of thing, you know. Um, and you've got to eliminate the 99% of the world that will never be listening to you, that will never work with you, or even that will be hard work for you to identify and find. And when you do your client avatar development really well, you end up with kind of that, you know, that singular one ideal client. And it can be as simple as looking back over, you know, the last couple of months, last couple of years of work and just identify who you really enjoyed working with. You know, who got the most impact from you? Who paid you the most? And maybe that's your ideal client. Maybe you already worked with your ideal client. You just need to clone it. And the cloning process involves identifying the defining characteristics of that client. You know, what made that client so good for you? What made them your perfect client? You know, wh wh where, where do they work? What's their profession? Where do they hang out? How old are they? What gender are they? You know, what keeps them awake at night? What's their greatest desire? You know, you know, the, what's their pull and their push? What are they trying to get away from? And what are they trying to reach towards? Um, and once you do that work that deeply, it, you will end up with a defined client avatar. And the reason everything changes again when, when, you, when you get that level of clarity is that all your messaging, all the stuff you write, is directed at that person. So I write my daily brain tattoos, my emails, at my ideal client, as if I'm speaking to him, all right, slash her, <laughs> so I'm speaking to my ideal client one-to-one. Uh, -one. Everything I write, all my messaging is directed at my one singular ideal client not a bunch of people, so I'm hedging my bets just in case they like it and they don't, you know. Um, it's the one single client. And that's the second pillar then that has to be in place, I think, before marketing commences. What's the third? I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> just give me time to catch your breath. Um, so the third pillar, if the, the first pillar is what, what you do. Second pillar is who it's for. A third pillar in, a, in the interest of, you know, symmetry is how. So how are you going to deliver it? And having done the first two, many coaches and trainers and therapists and consultants then try and go out to that world, to that avatar, with the promise of uh, a coaching session or a therapy session or a training session or something or a package of sessions, you know, should we buy six packages, six sessions and all like that. Here's the problem with that. People don't buy ideas, they buy products. What's the difference between ideas and products? So, okay, uh, imagine you walk into your local supermarket and on the shelf there are a bunch of tins that says food on them. So that's an idea that may captivate if you're hungry, you want some food, you know, you've got to eat some food, otherwise you'll die. So at some point, walking down the aisle, you might take a chance and just buy a tin because there's something in it that you think, you know, might be good for you. Um, on the other hand, on the other aisle, let's say there's there's a bunch of tins that say, I don't know, what do you like to eat? Um, Heinz spaghetti hoops with barbecue sausages in tomato sauce. 
So you know exactly what's in that tin, and your decision then is not, you know, I'm hungry, it's whether, you know, that the contents of that tin are going to be uh, appealing to you. you know? Is it is it what you want? Is it going to do what you want? So in the in the transformation world, the equivalent of that analogy is, you know, would you like a coaching session? You know, let's get together and see what pops out. You know, and it's a hundred quid or something, which is really tough to sell. It's a really tough sell. You know, and you won't get paid enough for it because you can't selling skills by the hour exchanging time for money is never a satisfactory relationship for either you or the person paying for it so the obverse of that you know the the spaghetti hoops version of it is to build a signature program that represents the sum total of all your accumulated knowledge that will be useful to your ideal client of course and then create a journey within that program that takes your client from where they are today to where they want to get to and, you know, it's common to make it 12 weeks or 90 days. My, my program is. Um, but it could be a month. You know? It could be, you know, six weeks to a beach body or something like that. You know, um, 30 days to your ideal abs or you know, something like that. Um, and what the client then sees is they can make an informed decision based on what the title of the program is. Opening the bonnet, having a look inside, seeing what's in the program. They can make a decision as to whether that suits them. And if you've done all your work well beforehand, because you know, you've identified what you are and who it's for, you know that you're going to be speaking to the person for whom that product is a solution. So with those three pillars in place, you can actually go out to the world and start marketing. But if you try and market an idea to an unknown audience, when you haven't even defined to yourself what it is you do, you've literally got all your work ahead of you. You know, it's incredibly difficult. And, that's why people waste money on Facebook ads that don't work. It's why they waste time setting up Facebook groups with a vague aim and a vague promise and an unknown purpose. And all you're ever going to do then is just kind of rely on people who already know you as friends and just gather a bunch of your mates around you and go, oh, great, I love what you're doing, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, you're not actually going to make any deep impacts in the world until you've got those, those three things in place. And, that they truly are the three pillars, I think. And what once they are in place, here's what happens. You know, marketing seems effortless because all your messaging is already informed. You know what you're going to say because you know what your ideal client's issues are. When you make an offer, you know what it's about because you've got one signature program that you're going to talk about all the time. You know, you can open a, a registration, a, a, an enrollment for that program on a monthly basis if you want to. Um, so, you know, everything you do is done with a singular purpose in mind and aimed at a singular person that's going to want to buy it mm. sounds simple doesn't it yeah it sounds simple when you lay it out like that <laughs> what happens for you then like say you have everything in place you've actually found your clients how do you think about refunds and objections when it comes to the selling process refunds um well i think i mean there are there are lots of things that spin off from this kind of clarity yeah, when you when you understand in depth what it is you do, what you're capable of doing, what you love to do, what has an impact on the world, what you can get paid for, and you understand who it's for, you very rarely make those sort of mistakes. Those those sort of situations don't arise because you will only attract people who want what it is that you're selling. Because as soon as they look at you, they know whether your deal is for them or not. So the clients kind of self-select. 
I've never given anybody, I've never had to give anybody a refund, but I've prepared my philosophy, if you like, my values regarding refunds, and that is give them a refund. Mm. Because if you've got it wrong to such an extent that somebody says, I'm a mistake, this is not for me, I want a refund. That's not their fault, that's your fault. So what I will do when that happens to me, I'm genuinely saying it, you know, in over a hundred clients who've been through this program, nobody's ever asked for a refund. But if anybody ever did, I would say to them, thanks for that. I'm sorry I got it wrong on this occasion. Just go into a bit more depth, if you will, as to, as to why it didn't suit you. You know, what went wrong? What did I do wrong? And here's your money back. Thanks very much. And thanks for helping me to improve my, my offering so that I don't make this mistake again. So that, that for me, is, is the only right approach on, uh, on refunds. Um, I, I guess the question about objections is at the point where you feel that you're in a sales situation with the client and you're trying to get them from being an interested prospect to, to signing up and being, being a client. Is, is, is that the question? Yeah, like you, yeah, you've got somebody who's on the verge of signing up with you. They seem interested, but they have reservations. Or they might even say they have an objection, or they. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I I think it's a process. And very interesting that we're talking about this today because um, the module of the client attraction blueprint, um, one of them that I did today, was about this very topic. So the module is called the sales call. I call it the sales call overhaul, actually. <laughs> um, and what I was speaking about and what, what, we, what we were talking about as a group, because there's four people on the particular session with me, um, was, was this idea that if you have to close a sale, if you feel like you're closing, like you're selling, then you haven't laid the ground properly beforehand. Um, what, what, what are we doing in the sales call, if that's what it is? I call it the enrollment call, actually. What we're doing in the enrollment call is creating an environment where the client can make an informed decision, prospect can make an informed decision as to whether your program is for them or not. And all I ever ask at the end of the sales call, and I, I tell them this at the beginning, I say, look, what we're going to do today is, um, first and foremost and most importantly, I'm going to find out about your business. I'm going to ask you questions about you, about where you are, about what your current position is, you know, so I can really calibrate where you are as a business person, as an individual. Then we're going to talk about where you want to get to, you know, what your desired future reality is, yeah, where you want to be, where you see things going, how you'd like to develop. Um, if I, If I then, you know, if we then agree at that point that, my program can help you get from where you are now to where you want to get to. We're then going to talk a bit about what the program is, the program itself. I'm going to tell you all about it. I'm going to open the bonnet on it, tell you what you'll get. And then I'm going to tell you how much it costs, how much it will cost to enroll today. Now, all I ask at the end of this process is that you give me a yes, Johnny, I'm in, or a no, it's not for me right now. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. So 100% of the time, the person you're talking to says, yes, that's fine. Um, and then you just go through that process. You find out about them, you know, with you, with your ears and mouth operating in the two to one ratio. Yeah. You've got two ears, one mouth. Uh, listen very carefully. 
then ask them to explain about their future reality, where they want to get to. And again, listen very carefully. And, you know, you, you're usually at a point in the conversation there because you understood your avatar. You remember the three pillars, all that's done. So you're talking to the right kind of person already. Um, you're at a point there where you can say, well, look, I think from what you've told me, I think that this program's going to be a fit for you and it's going to work. Do you want me to tell you about the program? Well, okay, yeah, great. Next 20 minutes of the one hour call is talking about the program, um, calibrating how that's landing with them, how they're understanding it, you know, asking questions. How's that sound? Yeah, great, 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 great. Anything so far that you don't think will work for you? No, it's all good. Um, and at the end of that, you then have permission, don't you, to say, well, how do you feel about it? And they go, it's great. How much is it? And you go, well, here's how much it is. In my case, the conversation goes, it's 2,497 quid, 2,497. That's my, my program. Um, yeah, I, 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 what, what's, you know, where do we go with that? Is that something that you want to do right now or are you not ready for it yet? Hmm. And, and they've already agreed, you know, an hour ago to, that they're going to tell you. 70% of the people that you ask that question to go, yeah, I'm in, let's do it. Mm. The other 30% go, it's not right for me just now. And do you know what? Either way, it's fine. Either way is fine. Because, you know, you're going to have more of those conversations, more of those calls. And the 30% who say it's not for me right now, obviously there's a bit more engagement at that point. So you're going, well, okay, well, you know, why not? What's stopping you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm somebody this week actually said, no, it, it's not, it's not for me right now. I can't do it. Uh, and I said, why? She said, well, I'm a single mom, as you know, and I, I knew that. She said, the kids are breaking up next couple of weeks. Um, and I, I, I've got to look after the kids for the summer holidays for the six weeks. I can't commit to this program. I said, when do they go back to school? She said, well, 4th September, all right. So I've got an intake in September starting on the 11th. I've got a new program starting then. She goes, oh, okay. I said, so shall we, shall we get you booked on that? Yeah, fine. Deposit, ready for September, you know. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that to say, you know, what a smart-ass salesman Johnny is. I mean, this is all just common sense, isn't it? When you ask somebody what the block is and they tell you, if there's a way you can overcome that and you can satisfy them, then fine. But I, I look at sales a completely different way to how most people look at it. Um, people who regard themselves as a salesperson think of the sale as a one-sided process. So I have to win this sale. And what's the opposite of winning? Losing. Yeah. Losing, right. So when you get this win-lose mentality, are you actually saying that there's in you and the client, there's, there's two sides of that. So you win the sale, they lose what they're paying you. I don't know. I don't know how that would even work for me. If, if I'm not smart enough to position my offering in a way that the client wants to do it and the go away, then I've let that person down. I really let that person down because there's only two other things that's going to happen at that point they're not going to buy from me they're either going to buy from somebody else who isn't as good as me and Dennis if you if you and all your listeners don't don't believe that then you should do right anybody else that they try and buy from isn't going to be as good as you because you're the best at what you do aren't you? or 
even worse, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to take any action. And this time next year, they're going to be in the same position that they are now. They're not going to progress. So, you know, by not, by not getting all this in place and by not positioning an offer that the client wants to buy right now, you're letting them down. You're letting them down. I don't want to let people down. I want to, I want to impact as many lives as possible. I've got a mission written on my wall that I want 100,000 transformation professionals to benefit from what I do by 2025. That's my mission. Did that vision come from your three pillars from doing the work? It came from, from the realization that by productizing my services, I've got an infinitely scalable business, Dennis. So I, I actually, at, at some time very, very soon, I don't have to deliver my program anymore because it's productized, because it's a process, because it's a journey of 12 modules that I've defined and written down. Somebody else can deliver it. I'm not saying any, anybody else, that would be too glib, but somebody else who's been through my program, who understands my values, who understands the outcomes, who understands the client, uh, you know, who understands all the rest of it, can deliver the program instead of me having to deliver it. So all of a sudden then you've got a business rather than a hobby, rather than a coaching practice. You've got something that is infinitely scalable because you're limited then only by the number of people you can find to deliver the programs for you. And I, I just had a bit of a vision today when I was talking with my clients in this wonderful little group with, with four people. You know, I had a vision of what my life would look like and what the world would look like if I had 50 of those programs all happening today, all at once. <laughs> so not just me doing one, but 49 other people delivering them in parallel. Yeah. What an impact that would be on the world. Yeah. What a, what a, what a, uh, you know what a, a joyful outcome it would be for all my clients you know and for me from my business mm. so anything's possible once you get this clarity but without it without these three pillars it's a whole lot more difficult i tell you what you've got a massive task ahead of you if you're trying to sell something that doesn't exist to people who you don't know who they are when you haven't even really defined clearly what it is you want to do you know what you do so mm. Yeah, it's when I want to talk about effortless marketing. Um, I haven't got any marketing hacks, marketing tricks. You know, I'm not talking about gaming the Facebook algorithm or something like that. I'm just talking about putting your world in order, putting your business in a place where it's genuinely scalable and, he, and you've got something to sell. You know? mm. So, like if you if somebody wants to scale a business, it seems like it becomes less about the person, the founder, and it becomes more about the business making yourself redundant around the on the scalability of the business is that the way you see it or yeah you, you, you've hit the nail on the head i mean one of my mantras i have a few of these you know these three letter acronyms that people come up with mm. um abo is one of them you know always be offering um but the the, the, the acronym here is is a d a and this is this describes a long-term process of creating a business that can run without you so the ada stands for automate which we should all be doing right away. There are so many wonderful tools. I mean, you know, you're a digital specialist, a software engineer, you know, you know all this stuff. From, you know, your calendar booking system through to this amazing platform that we're working on now, you know, Zoom. Um, all the email automation stuff. I mean, all this is, you know, baby stuff, isn't it really? Um, but then when you start to go deeper into all the if this, then that stuff, you know, these little 
mm. API things, this little bridge way, you know, that connects your whole world together. You can automate pretty much everything. The next stage then, we mentioned ADA, if you remember, so the A is automate. D is delegate. So the stuff that isn't suitable for automation or, or right now, get someone else to do it, you know. Um, the, the goal in the A and the D is to leave you doing the stuff that only you can do. Leave you doing the stuff that only you can do, um, which is generally where the value is, you know, the coaching delivery, um, you know, the content creation. So only do the stuff that only you can do. If somebody else can do it, get somebody else to do it because here's the news. You will not have to pay somebody else as much to do it as the lost time cost, the lost opportunity cost of you doing it yourself. And once you get that, that is like sunrise. That's like the light flowing into the room because you just think, hang on, do you mean I don't have to update my website? <laughs> I don't have to upload the blog into WordPress. You mean somebody else can do it? Yes, of course they freaking can. Yeah. I don't have to upload my Alexa flash briefing, which is usually complex bit of software, you know, getting into the Amazon developer platform or the APIs and that's just a bloody nightmare. I'd pay somebody else to do that. Not because I'm rich and I can afford it, but because I can't afford not to do it. If I were doing that, I could spend a day uploading my 30 Alexa flash briefings a day out of every month. Whereas now it takes me two hours to record them, send them all up to the cloud and my engineer sticks on Amazon for me, you know? Mm. So AD, automate, delegate. The third and final one takes a lot of getting your head around and it's abdicate. Automate, delegate, abdicate. Mm. So abdicate is what I just described to you where I've realized that I actually don't have to deliver my coaching myself. So this can be the, you know, Johnny Cooper's client attraction blueprint. Somebody else can deliver it. Because where, where's the important stuff? Well, the important stuff is the design and the content. What's actually in it? You know, the underlying philosophies and the values in it. But do I have to deliver that personally? Probably not. There might be some dilution, you know. My best coach might be 90% as impactful as me. Uh, you know, there might be a range from 75 to 90%, you know. But hey, I want to scale my business, so... The idea of me, you know, doing delivering 40 of these programs a week. <laughs> mm. That's just impossible, isn't it? It's an impossible task. So the, the route to scalability truly comes from understanding the ADA. Automate, delegate, and abdicate. Get someone else to do everything other than the grand design and, and the direction of the business, you know. Another thing actually you mentioned in the book that I was quite... um intriguing is you said don't solve problems just don't create them in the first place could you explain <laughs> a little bit more for people i'm glad that one landed yeah actually uh just for the listeners benefit um we're talking about my book um predictably called johnny x marketing i'm not very imaginative um but i've i've kind of you know carried this sort of coherent brand through everything i do so the book is on amazon now it's called johnny x marketing at 14.99 in pounds i don't know what it is in euros for you uh, Southern Irish people, but round about the same, I imagine. Um, yeah, it's interesting you, you pulled that one out. So it's one of the early ones. Um, well, I just had a thought about um, problem solving. And 
what inspired me to write that was um, I was at a networking meeting with a guy who very proudly announced that, you know, his core skill was, was firefighting, as he called it. He's very good at getting on top of problems. And he, he saw that as almost as USP, you know, everyone got a chance at this meeting to stand up and do their little, you know, elevator pitch, if you like. He said, I see myself as a problem solver, you know, I solve problems. And, it, you know, it just landed with me immediately listening to him there. That that's, that's, that's a pretty crazy thing to do. Um, you know, it's like a, um, I don't know if there's been one of these in history, but there probably has been a fireman who's actually a closet arsonist, you know, so he, he goes out and sets fire and then, then runs to work, you know, and the bell's ringing, he gets in the fire engine, goes and puts it out. That would be a, a crazy idea for a, a TV show, wouldn't it? Um, but, uh, yeah, um, all, all problems are self-created, aren't they? And every bit of responsibility for everything that happens in our lives, good or bad, has to be shouldered firmly on, on us. I mean, luck is just an imaginary construct, isn't it? You, you you attract luck by being in a certain place at a certain time, doing a certain thing. Um, you know, even winning the lottery is down to the fact that you bought the ticket, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's not 100% luck. <laughs> you, you have to buy the ticket in the first place. So I think, I think you know, j- j- just to answer your question, um, it, it's better to create a, a world for yourself where you're in control of all your inputs. Uh, you know what the likely outcomes are of those inputs. Um, and don't congratulate yourself for solving problems. Congratulate yourself for living a, a trouble-free life, you know, a stress-free life, a life that's just full of joy and abundance and not full of awkward situations that you've created for yourself. Mm. And does that tie into, because you mentioned in the book too, that if you do the stuff that actually makes you happy, you'll be more productive yeah. and uh, more profitable. Um I think that flies in the face of popular kind of conventions. Can you explain that a bit more? Because it was something that I was like, if that actually works, it's quite liberating for people. I, I, I don't know if there is a, a, an argument against that, is there? Um, you know, I mean, don't forget we're speaking to people who have chosen to create a business for themselves. Now, I accept that if you've made a choice to go and work for somebody else. Um, what was the quote I saw the other day? Yeah. You're the person who knows how, working for the man who knows why. So it's more important to be the man who knows why, in your opinion? Yeah. Well, I don't know it's more important. I mean, it's a potentially a more fulfilling path, mm. isn't it? But here's the thing. When you decide to create a business, to go into business, whatever you want to call it, be self-employed. You know, you're actually creating your own little world. You build your own little world where it's your game and it's your rules. So why, why on earth would you create a game for you to play which, which is anything less than joyful and rewarding all the time? Um, it baffles me how people are in their own businesses getting stress, you know, God forbid, having heart attacks, strokes, dying early, you know, oh, business is not doing so well, you know, <laughs> we're in dire straits. It's not that I'm not, I don't have any sympathy. I'm not saying I'm a cold-hearted person, but 
I, I just want to take a step back and say, well, why are you doing it? You know, I've got a power manager, a printer. And every time I see him, he's like, oh. And I'm not being regionist here, but the, the, the West Midlands dialect lends itself to moaning, shall we say, more than other people. And uh, he'll say to me, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's a bloody nightmare, this business. It's a money pit. It's a money pit. And I, I just say to him, I say to him, well, why are you doing it? What else would I do? I go, well, I don't know. What else would you do? Let's make a list. Let's make a list of all the things that you could do if you weren't doing this, which you hate. Mm. So I, I don't know whether I'm particularly enlightened or, you know, whether it's just me, but it baffles me why anybody would create a business which they don't enjoy. You did that. Mm. You did that. It's nobody else's fault. Do something else. Stop it, you know. So, I, yeah, and again, I'm, I'm not being oversimplistic. I'm not being, I know when you're in a, when you've been in a business for a while, it's not that easy to get out potentially. You know, maybe you owe a load of people a load of money, but if you really want to, there's a way, Jesus, pull the plug, mm. pull the plug, get that out and do something else. What's the worst that could happen? You know, what's the worst that could happen? You'll be okay, whatever happens, you know, unless, you know, unless a choice involves chopping your arm off or not, or slitting your throat or not, you know, any, anything with, with a lesser physical impact than that, you'll be all right, won't you? You'll be all right. Yeah, it's perspective, so, I guess. Don't spend your life doing something you, you hate because your life will be over before you know it. You know, your life will be over all too soon. So just do something you enjoy. You know, I don't think there's any better advice to anybody than, than that. Yeah, you can't go too far wrong. Yeah, um, could you explain the distinction between rules and standards that you make? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to think back there. So, uh, standards are really sort of you know an immutable set of values uh, that you that you live your life by. So you know, I won't I won't work with people who are. Can I swear? Yeah. <laughs> Well, mildly. I want what we dickheads, you know. Mm. Yeah. If, if somebody's loud and shouty and doesn't listen and obnoxious, it's my job. I won't work with them. You know, that's a, that's a standard. Mm. Um, if somebody, you know, if somebody does me over and, uh, you know, I won't work with them again, I'll, I'll push them out of my, my world, you know. And I, I kind of have, you know, standards of behavior. Um which which is kind of you know the the minimum that I'll allow anybody to um, to, to, to exhibit and continue to be part of my life you know um, and I, I think what where, where this came from was when I set up the Facebook group the Johnny's marketing group and started getting people in I was looking at other people's groups to kind of benchmark and see what they were doing and it just occurred to me there's a whole bunch of rules on most people's groups you know no spam no promotion you know. <laughs> uh, no links all this kind of stuff and i just thought well isn't it just better to you know go out to the world with some standards that uh, don't behave like a dick be kind be nice the group's here for everyone's benefit it's like a party you know come to the party and be yourself if you want to talk about what it is you do then talk about what it is you do if you want to you know stick a cheeky link into your your new ebook or something do it you know because people in the group might actually want to buy it 
They might like what you do. You know, so it serves everybody then, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Um, I, I think once you, once you kind of establish standards of behavior, not just for them, but for you as well, you know, this is the minimum I'm prepared to be when I come out to the world. Um, then rules become redundant. You don't need to set rules uh, if you live your life to a, to, to a series of minimum standards. You know? So that, 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 that's all that was about, really. Mm. Um, and, the, you know, the more rules you make, the more complicated life becomes, isn't it? You know, wouldn't the world be a simpler place with, it, with fewer laws? Your rules and regulations. You, know, you can't park here, mate. You know that kind of thing. Mm. Um, the the world will be a simpler, more joyful place with fewer rules. That's an inarguable truth, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I try not to make rules. I just, you know, live life by by the standards of behaviour that I expect from myself and other people. I also want to touch on your orange and banana metaphor for. Um Huh. attracting clients because it stuck it stood in my mind I, it was the first time i heard of this kind of analogy before and i was like that makes sense could you explain that for the listeners yeah do you know what page is in the book because i don't mind reading it out actually i'm not too sure no um uh, i'll tell you what i'll do i'll find it on the website right away just bear with me yep. bear with me uh what am i gonna do i'm gonna find it on facebook actually um what this was about um I, 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 you know the the ideas for for content come from the strangest places um and um where this came from was genuinely one afternoon where um well i'll, I'll read it to you and see what you think um so the, the cover picture on this which you don't have the benefit of in the book actually because there's no images in it um i found this amazing cartoon of um of this guy, this guy, I don't know why he'd drawn it. Actually, for the benefit of the people who are watching this video, what I'll do just very quickly, it's a bit naughty, this, for the podcast guests. I do apologise. Um, but I'm just actually just showing uh, a picture. You can see it, can't you? Uh, um, with a, a banana stabbing an orange, which, of course, is a little bizarre, to say the least. It would never really happen. There you go. So I'll read it to you. So it's called Banana Kills Orange. And I said uh, to the farmer, so I was eating a banana last night and reflecting on what a thoughtfully convenient little fruit it really is. So, you know, here, here's, the, here's the distinguishing feature of a banana. I can see from the outside if it's going to be to my taste. You know, it's green, yellow or brown. It's easy to unpack and get to what's inside. Um, it's not messy. I can easily consume it when I'm mobile. Yeah. It's delicious. It left me feeling satisfied. And it's great value for all the benefits it provides. So if we, if we scan those things and see, well, you know, how many of those does my coaching offering tick? How many of those, right? So earlier in the afternoon, I'd wrestled with an orange, which by contrast, a massive challenge to get into. Lots of wasted rind and pith to scrape off it. Made my eyes sting as it squirted its evil juices at me. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's got an orange. It hit me in the corner of the eye. Once I got in, it was sour as hell inside and loads of work just to find out. So it gave me next to no reward for all the effort. I said, look, can you see where this is going? You know, if you're trying to sell me something, let me put it this way. Is it more orange than banana? In other words, is it more trouble than it's worth? Can I see from the outside what's inside it? How much work are you asking me to do before I actually decide whether it's going to be any good to me or not? Um, You know, how much of a challenge is it to actually buy it and to get into it? And, you know, it, it, it pains me to see, you know, c- coaches are probably delivering quite a good offering, but 
but they don't make it easy. You know, like no obvious call to action on the website. How many coaching websites haven't got a call to action above the fold where people can interact with? Um, how many coaching websites start with the about me? You know, hello, I'm Derek. I'm a business coach. Nobody cares about that. They care what you're going to, what Derek's going to do for you, you know. Um, and, and all that stuff makes you more of an orange than a banana in, in, in my analogy. You know, how difficult are you making it for someone to buy from you? Just make it easy, you know. Always be offering. Always tell people what you've got going on. and Give them a chance to buy from you instead of somebody else who's not as good as you. So that, that was just the thinking behind that. And coincidentally, I have a banana right here. <laughs> Do you ever think it's too late to uh, change from an orange to a banana? It's never too late to do anything, is it? Why would it be? <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, um, uh, do you have a favorite book, Johnny? I see a lot of books are on there. You mentioned a few in the book as well as a few of your favorite books. Yeah, so, so I'm reading and rereading at the moment. And this is just great in our business. Um, this really should be a textbook. Um, I'm guessing you've heard of it. I mean, Steve mm. Chandler's a coaching legend. Yeah, Rich Lippin. Uh, Rich Lippin's a, a legendary author. Um, but some of the stuff in here is just absolutely priceless, you know. And um, it's it's written in bite-sized chunks as well. You know, you can dig in and out of it. It's the kind of bedside book. Um, but it's just absolutely brilliant. I mean, if if I literally have 10 minutes between coaching calls and I don't want to get into some work, I'll just pick that book up and just read a bit and clarity, ping, you know. Mm -hmm. That's what great books do, isn't it? I think, um, I think the world's moving away from long, drawn-out, essay type textbooks you know we all our attention spans are getting shorter in the digital age we just want something to dip into and go yeah like that and then yeah. come back to it later and do something else you know so that's what i try to do in 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 my book and uh, you know hopefully hopefully uh, i'll get somewhat of a reputation on it at some point in the future i don't know yeah, so that was the prosperous coach there for anybody who um who's listening yeah um, I'm, so, I'm so sorry gee i keep forgetting <laughs> So The Prosperous Coach, the book that I'm talking about, by Steve Chandler and Rich Litvin. It's mm -hmm. on Amazon. It's quite expensive. It's more expensive than my book, so maybe I should learn from that. It's uh, $30. Oh, look, $34.95. That's an expensive book. Huh? It is. Uh, um, but uh, it's worth every penny. Who should buy your book, Johnny? Who would, uh, who would it help? Uh, but so well, it, it is unashamedly for transformation professionals like uh, like me and you, Dennis. You know, it's for coaches, uh, trainers, therapists, consultants, uh, anyone who uh, delivers information and transformation to their clients. Um, and it's you know, it's it's part of the bigger picture of the whole Johnny X marketing piece, which is a you know a, a blueprint for a thriving practice, really. So. Yeah, jump on Amazon. Johnny hates marketing. Uh, it's searchable. It's findable. The Amazon search bot has already been kind to me. So if you just put in Johnny X marketing, it'll find it. And you've also got uh, flash briefings as well. They'll find on Amazon as well, I think, don't they? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so that's an, an, another whole podcast uh, in itself, isn't it? Yeah. But the the podcasts, uh, the the Amazon flash briefings are micro podcasts. Um, and you know what, what what really appealed to me about it is it just seemed a really lazy way to get a bunch of spoken content out I'll tell you what i mean by that i write every single day and my my daily brain tattoos go on my website as microblogs. they're about 100 words 150 words each 
they go to my email list. So that's the, the second uh, repurpose, if you like. Um, I publish them as a Facebook post every day. I post them as a LinkedIn post. So there are already four things that I do with them. Um, and then I, I read them uh, once a month, 30 at a time. I batch them and upload them to the Amazon platform. And anybody who subscribes to the Amazon Flash Briefing called Johnny S Marketing can listen to the Daily Brain Tattoo every single day. So, you know, there's at least five places where the same piece of content is distributed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that just seems like another step in the effortless marketing thing to me. You know, not just worrying about what you're going to write all the time, but just doing it once and, and pushing it out in different forms for different people to consume in different ways. Yep. So what's the best way to find you? Is it Johnny Hates Marketing and all these platforms? Yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy if people find me on johnnyhatesmarketing.com. Um, I've actually got a, a freebie on there at the moment, which is my um, Effortless Marketing Blueprint. It's called The Three Pillars of Effortless Marketing, actually. You download that free at johnnyhatesmarketing.com, so I'd love you to do that. Mm -hmm. You also, in doing that, um, sign up for the Daily Brain Tattoos, which you can get every single day in your inbox. The... Facebook group is called Johnny Hates Marketing as well. And there's a bunch of cool stuff going on there. I do two live shows a week with some really inspiring people, people who've cracked the code of effortless marketing in their business. Um, yeah, so it's great. I mean, it's just a thriving community, the whole thing. It's a growing community. I love having an impact on, on so many people and, you know, working with so many really exciting and interesting people. I, I don't think there's, there's, there's a more interesting and dynamic and kind and heart-centered group on the planet than you know coaches and therapists because we're all starting from a point where we just want to help people aren't we? we want to change people's lives um and if i can just make it easier for people to do that then you know that, that just that just seems like a mission for me for for the next few years at least cool i think my last question would be what would uh what would you like people to remember you for um yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready for a eulogy yet. Thank you very much. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think being remembered for something is better than being completely forgotten. But it, in a very real sense, it, it actually doesn't matter, does it? Because, you know, my, my awareness of anything after I've died will be just the same as it was before I was born. You know, I won't exist. So if the world's a better place, then I, I guess I can die happy. Yeah, if I've, in some way, if I've made the world a better place. So that would, that would be a pretty cool thing, I suppose, if people were saying, good old Johnny, you know, he made things a little bit better. Cool. Great, John. Yeah, it was great talking today and giving us some insights into marketing and effortless, effortless marketing for people. So, uh, and yeah, if, uh, my pleasure, thanks. Cool. And then, yeah, anybody, I'd recommend them to read a book. I've read it myself, and it was a great read. Uh, simple, concise, and uh, lots of wisdom nuggets inside there. So. Thanks so much, Dennis. I'm, I'm massively flattered by that. I'm, I'm just really pleased to be here as well. So Johnny S. Marketing, the book's called um, asisthewebsite.com, and uh, the Facebook group called Johnny S. Marketing too. So I'll see you all on the other side. It's been a pleasure. Cool. So until next time, have fun and enjoy the process.